0: Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson and I'm Lena Morgan and this is song versus song. Gosh, am I excited for this one? This is a big one. Really? Oh, yeah. Like I've been trying to get these two songs into the podcast for the longest time and I just never figured out what they were supposed to pair against until I realized they're supposed to pair against each other. It's perfect. It's so perfect. It's a little forced, but we are doing the killers. Mr. Brightside. Versus Panic at the Discos, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. And we have a special guest who, in the who, room today. Who could it be? Oh, the first uh, thing you bring
1: in for all of these matchups?
0: <laughs> it is uh, my little brother who would kill me if he was not included in this particular one. That's true. No, you were the first person I told when I figured this one out. I was like, I have to tell Victor this right away.
1: I, I did. These two songs are both incredibly important to me. I just, I am so excited <laughs> to
0: talk about them and it took me forever because i was like i have to put mr brightside into a, uh, a into the podcast but i was thinking it was like well we could put it against franz ferdinand or modest mouse but we've already but we done put, both of them
2: in fact we did them against it, each other didn't we
0: yes for this and reason <laughs> <laughs> and i was thinking well got to get panic in there too but i'd have to put them against my chemical romance or fallout boy
2: ha huh, i see
0: <laughs> And we put them together as well. But these two bands who I don't really associate with each other, this is a perfect matchup. Because, one, they are both about getting cheated on in the mid-2000s. And they are both the rival kings of Vegas. What? They are, yes. They are both from the wonderful, lovely city of Las Vegas. Oh, I, I, th- I think they I have like a rivalry were- just based on fighting for supremacy of Las Vegas. Although there's a th- a third in the, in the mix. Now
2: imagine dragons. I'd, I'd prefer not to, um, <laughs> but, but I, I will say when you said Vegas, I just thought I was like, do they both have residencies right now? <laughs> Wouldn't they that be something? Someday. They will someday. Brendan Urey is really like, he's really close. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I, I bet it's crazy. I don't really associate Panic at the Disco with Vegas for some weird reason. The way I permanently associate the Killers with Vegas, and I think that's very intentional on the, the Killers' part. But it was crazy to me the like, last time I was in Vegas, that I was just hearing the Killers just in the casinos, just on a like fairly frequent basis. Really, when were you in Vegas? Oh, like four or five years ago. Last time we went to California for a wedding. Oh, well, how'd you I, enjoy it? Um, you don't see the killers? No, <laughs> no. Uh, they, it, pff, our parents were paying for the whole trip, I, even if the killers have been playing out in that money. Uh, the, I, I just cannot like contain myself with like how excited I am to do this. Like these, this was a, a, a very important period in my life. I associate uh, the, the 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 killers and Hot Fuss with two thousand and four, right? I associate. Mm-hmm. Panic at the Disco and A Fever You Can't Sweat Out with 2005. I was 14 and 15 years old, respectively, in those years. And uh, so, of course, music was never going to be as important to me again. I don't, I can, can, we, can we start with the first thing? Uh,
0: I, I want to ask you, too. Where do you land? On which, which versus which, song? which? Which song? Although uh, You know, I'm older than you, but both these uh, songs and albums and bands were also very important to me. Over time this Panic! song has diminished a bit. I have to... And, of course, Mr. Brightside has only grown more huge since 2005. I think I have to go with the Killers on this one.
2: Uh I would say that um I've never... I've I, Panic! of the Disco is a band that I would hate if I could possibly care about them. <laughs> I would hate them if I could, like, like just... Looking at, like, album titles and song titles, (laughs) like, if I could muster a single give a fuck, I would loathe them, but I don't care. And then there's The Killers, a band that I also don't care about at all, but who have this one song that I don't really have strong feelings about, but whenever somebody sings it at karaoke, I think, this is nice. So that's this is it. A, that's it. <laughs> you know, you talk
0: about, you know, being old and being e- older than me. And I'm talking about being old all the time. But this is like the one time I feel like a real generational divide.
2: Between, between you and us. me, for sure. Yeah. I definitely have. I've always felt this this way that this is like the big defining thing between um, you definitively being a millennial and me very technically being Gen X like. It usually it doesn't appear. It usually it doesn't matter. Um but also to be fair, like I was sitting there going like I got kind of seem young, like what was I listening to in two thousand and five? And all I could come up with was uh, clap your hands, say yeah, their their self-titled debut. I fucking love that album. Really? Is, does that yeah, I still love that album. Um does that does that make me cool? Am I cool now? Wasn't this your long, like, Sufjan period or whatever? It absolutely was. (laughs) 2004 is uh, Seven Swans. I already would have been, I think, probably into the Michigan album at this point. And then 2005 is when um, the Illinois record came out, which was, I think, the thing that really made him um, a public-facing, like, everybody knew who he was. So, yes, I would have been listening to a lot of stuff of that type at the time. I was probably listening to, like, I don't know, Interpol, Arcade Fire, what else is what else is in there? Um probably was still listening to shit like Clinic, uh Black Black Keys, I don't know. I was a nerd. Black, you were you were into the Black Keys in the mid 2000s? Uh maybe I was over them by then. Maybe like I fell off them in the in the early 2000s. I liked them when they first came out. I literally remember seeing them live with I think they opened for Clinic, which is really weird cuz Clinic if you've never heard of them is a band they all come out like dressed like doctors, and they all have, um, by the way, m- medical face masks on. So I really think that they're due for a, at the, a comeback. <laughs>
0: at the risk of going way off on a tangent. Like, I cannot imagine the Black Keys being on a bill with that.
2: But, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, and it, Sleater it Kenny. Like, I, was,
2: I was listening to Sleater Kenny a lot also. There you go. So there was, okay, so there was some, like, some, like, 2000s Riot girl stuff.
0: For someone who was so into 90s, like, alt-rock, it feels like both the killers and the emo scene were like the logical next step, like the next progression. The length between Interpol and the Killers is not big. What and and also both the, these songs and these albums kick fucking ass, right, Victor? Yes, dear God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the okay, when I say these songs are important to me, all right. Uh, On October fourteenth, two 2005, I went on my first date with my then-girlfriend, now-wife. All right. And it Mm -hmm. was a concert. uh, And the bill was Panic at the Disco, Boys Night Out, Motion City Soundtrack, The Starting Line, and Fall Out Boy headlining. Panic at the Disco opened. They did a five-song set. It was, you know, like 30 minutes long. And we bought the album at the venue. That's
0: insane to me. You never told me this.
1: Yeah. Yes. Like, so this was. Like well before they blew the fuck up and uh, geez, we were that impressed with with what the, the output they had there. And then the, the, the hot fuss, they, they had to open for the starting line. That's crazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, The fact that uh, that uh, Motion City soundtrack was third billing on that was also tragic.
0: Um, <laughs> the- Wait, who was who was who was second? The starting line. <laughs> really? Yes. Over emotions. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: yes. We, we bought that album at the venue uh, and I I got into hot fuss like the around that same time. Right. I believe I borrowed a copy from either you or from uh, D- Daniel. I don't remember, but it was just both My of these. Yeah, yeah. Both of these like albums just dominated the, the the following year for me. It was insane. Uh, I was also alone a lot at home with no video game systems and no computer because our parents are insane um, and watching a lot of VH1 hits. So just music videos on all the time. And so I saw the Mr. Brightside video probably in excess of
0: 7,000 times. It was on for quite a bit. I was in college by that point, but <laughs> I remember seeing that video a lot and I did not have a TV in my room. I have to
1: go with Mr. Brightside though. There are very few metrics in which I would rate basically anything about I write sins not tragedies over Mr. Brightside,
0: but you still love it. You still, I still love, it, very love much. it.
1: It's just weird that it's almost
0: like a categorical upgrade to Mr. Brightside. Almost. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. Mr. Brightside has lowered a bit through overplay And it takes a lot of overplay for a song to wear out on me, especially when that good. And Mr. Brightside is, uh, I don't know. I'd still rank it above. Somebody told me, but I think Jenny was a friend of mine and smile. Like you mean it. And all these things that I've done, I would rank them higher
1: of the, of the, of the singles. And of course, like the deep cuts on that album are also
0: great. And, not all of them. Not all of them, obviously. They <laughs> included literal demos on it. <laughs> I mean, like, most of that album is a 10, but, like, there are, like, three or four songs that are, like, a three or a four. <sighs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, like, are you okay?
1: <laughs> I just, it's like, I have so many things I want to say and I have no direction. Like, I need somebody to keep me on track here.
0: <laughs> uh, you can't, you guys cannot see it, our our loyal listeners, but Lena is holding up a DVD copy of the killer's finest moment.
2: Oh, please, please, please! This is a Blu-ray copy from uh, from <laughs> from Arrow Video, um, from the last couple of years, a 2K scan of uh one of the greatest films of all time, 2006's Southland Tales, in in which uh Justin Timberlake, he's not really singing it. He's lip syncing. He's lip syncing the, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. By the way, I only bring it up because I desperately want (laughs) us to do a bonus episode about it. Someone (laughs) needs to put Southland Tales in just because, and this has nothing to do with anything, but if you were ever wondering, if you're like, man, that Donnie Darko guy, why didn't he go on to have a bigger career after that? The answer is Southland Tales. Hey, the, the Rock, Twayne The Rock Johnson, why is it that he fired all of his agents and had a very specific set of rules about the kinds of movies he would take after the mid-2000s? The answer is Southland Tales. Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of the biggest TV stars of the, of the previous decade and the 2000s. Why did her career suddenly dry up? Well, the answer is because she wasn't a very good actress in the first place, but also Southland Tales. Well, give
0: Richard Kelly this. He understands music. He gets music and what makes it good, and especially what makes music cinematic. Listen. And Southland Tales, while not a good movie at all. I love
2: Southland Tales, and we'll talk about it all day.
0: That that scene where he blasts the killers actually does work because the killers were just such a perfectly cinematic band. In fact, I don't know why they haven't been used in more movies. It's clearly
1: how they build their their sound is a very cinematic like view of it right like Mm -hmm. sam's town if nothing else will tell you that but like both of these bands are extremely theatrical and this is a good way to put it i view the killers as very hollywood and i view the panic as very broadway i view the killers
0: as very vegas (laughs) like when i heard that they were a las vegas band like that made perfect sense to me and i don't remember like I had not been to Vegas as an adult. I'd never seen a show in Vegas, but like that was what Las Vegas sounded like to me, especially with the album cover, which almost kind of looks like it's like lit up. Mm -hmm. And they were such like a a flashy band, especially compared to like most of the indie rock of that time, which is a lot more jagged and a lot more post-punk.
1: Yeah. I just like, no matter what they do, for some reason it always comes out. With that Vegas feel to it. I've always described their genre internally. I don't know if I've ever said this out loud to anybody. But I've described their genre as desert glam. That's always what it feels like to me. No matter what kind of music they're producing. I'd
0: never thought of that. But I absolutely get it. And I'm not sure like the Vegas thing came across to other people. Because I remember a lot of people thinking that the killers were British. Uh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> they certainly were big in britain i don't know what that indie rock of that era was called but there were like bands like the bravery actually the bravery were american too shit were they fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm shocked i am I'm so
1: shocked <laughs> i would never have done enough research to dis- to actually learn that
0: <laughs> like, but the there was a, a lot bravery? of that Were are we're interpol british they have uh, to have been, right? They, they or have they New to York? Be.
2: They, oh well, maybe. Hold on, I'll look it up. I'm embarrassed that I don't know. Um, they seem no. Like they were they also New York. Be. These Good are all grief. New York bands. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what about the Hives? They were from Sweden, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, right. a Swedish rock band. There you go. They were big at that time, 2000. Well, they
0: certainly all seemed like they'd listened to a lot of like the 80s British post punk, like Echo and the Bunnymen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like the the Killers are like adopted Brits at this point, I think. Yeah. Well,
2: And also, isn't it kind of important to mention that uh, around this period, 2004, 2005, we got the unexpected second act of the biggest pop punk band of the nineties
0: coming out in a way that
2: was very theatrical in the form of American idiot. I feel like that's, I feel like that's a big part of this story, this era of, of, of popular music. I mean,
0: green day, Panic, The Killers, The Great Guy Liner Bands of yeah. 2005, <laughs> Fallout, My Chemical, again.
2: Wait, I, have an, I have an answer to why it is that I think that uh, I didn't like these groups and a thing that I feel like, again, we kind of have to talk about. What is, what is that? It's the music nerd element or put in the most insulting way possible, the pitchfork element. Yeah, You really have to consider the potency of Pitchfork in a way that that was not great all the time in this era of music. Uh, something that's really notable about um, both of these records, but especially um, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, is that they were not well-liked by Pitchfork. Um, Hot Fuss, I think I brought it up just because, you know, if you want to get the general gist, the blurb, is despite hit songs on both sides of the Atlantic and Best Band Ever endorsements from UK Scribes, Las Vegas-based The Killer's questionably titled debut album is radio-friendly style over substance. They gave it a 5.2, which is not terrible, but obviously them saying these guys are not everything that they're being um, purported to be. Far worse is the uh, 1.5 that was given to... A fever you can't sweat out. Um, and the blurb there is emo barrel scrapers make Rights of Spring seem two decades old. Oh wait. Rights of Spring is <laughs> is is considered is, a, into, is like the origin of like people like people, if you were saying like where does Emo come from? The supposed first uh emo band is Rights of Spring and um their first album and only album came out in eighty five. So, uh, yeah. And the absolute, like the, the guy who wrote the review is so harsh. Here's a, here's a fun thing about, uh, how history works out. It doesn't make, um, the writer incorrect. And we can certainly discuss whether or not we we think that he, there was anything that he was saying that was correct or not. Um, but you know, it's been, uh, almost another two decades. And just so we all have a, a clear understanding of the difference, uh, Brendan Urie, the the one vestige of Panic at the Disco, currently has, and I guess this is the only time we'll be able to say this again, 2 million followers on Twitter compared <laughs> to, compared, com- compared with uh, Corey Byram, who was the author of uh, this 1.5 review. Would you like to guess how many followers that gentleman has? <laughs> I would not. The answer is 720. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, it doesn't make him wrong necessarily, but there are winners and losers in, in the annals <laughs> of history. And Brendan <laughs> Urey is definitely the winner there. You know, Victor, you, you were
0: asked, you asked me for uh, some structure, some way to get yourself into this conversation. Which one has the better video? Ooh, um, it's because they're also pretty similar videos. Yeah. And it's tough because they go and you know, <laughs> is making a face. <laughs> It's you're going to be directions. the most unpopular person in the universe after we release this episode, Lena. After? These are beloved after you're only like the third. But, oh, do you have more
1: or less than 720 followers right now? I haven't checked. Wow.
2: My goal is to get down to 720 followers. Let's see what I can do.
0: You know, for what it's worth, uh, Unnerberger, who is, you know, a person we've had on this podcast multiple times, one of our favorite guests has told me that he absolutely hates this panic song. Just like from the depths of
2: his soul. It sucks. It fucking sucks. And the music video fucking sucks too. God, that music video is terrible. Sorry, Victor, you should talk about this. You like these things. Jesus Christ. Go ahead, go. Uh as far as the music videos go, I would
1: I think I lean on the panic one. No, sorry. I lean on the, the side of the, the, the killers here. Uh, the panic one, I appreciate what it's doing. I appreciate the, the, uh, the you know, just the aesthetic of it, the, the way it incorporates the song into the video in ways that are not just part of the song. I think it's still bizarre that when I looked it up on YouTube, literally right before recording this, uh, that the word whore was not censored. As it usually is when I hear it on the radio, uh, but God was still censored.
2: Was well, because God damn together. <laughs> yeah, like if God, they just said God, fine. If they just <laughs> said damn, that's also fine. But God damn together is the problem.
1: But what kills me is in the video, he goes shh, like and pu- puts his finger over his mouth to say whore. So there's no actual like lip sync to it, but you can clearly see him saying God damn in multiple instances of it. Even though they, I, still I remember him. Cro- it.
0: You're cutely covering his mouth during the "God" part of "Goddamn" in parts of that song, in, in yeah, that on the video. last, I
1: last or second the last time he says it. I think the the Mr. Brightside video is just overall better. the The editing and the the casting and everything, like the costume and everything,
0: just feels better to watch. My favorite part of that is just like the look of disdain on Eric Roberts's face. <laughs> oh
2: man, I love that it features star of a talking cat. Eric Roberts.
0: Every time I saw
2: that guy afterward, I was just like, oh, hey, it's that guy. (laughs) And I never, ever knew his name. Oh, yeah. No, whenever I see him, I now and forever will go, I'm talking, kid. I did like every time. Um, That's all I can think of. And he's in lots of things. By the way, he was he was the master in the American TV movie of Doctor Who. Anyway, Eric Roberts is kind of the thing that elevates that video for me. Because, you know, just because he doesn't always actually use the strength of his acting ability, because a lot of times that's a, that's a real collective paycheck guy, it doesn't mean that he can't, in fact. Well, oh, yeah, acts. he's in
0: like 500 movies every yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, He is,
2: he's in, in fact, a, a more than capable actor. Yeah. My, my, my hottest like, take of the entire holes. episode is that I actually think Eric Roberts is a good actor. It's just that he usually doesn't bother.
1: It's like, yeah, I'll be on screen for three minutes and have no speaking lines. Yeah, whatever. It's fine.
2: But he was very, (laughs) I think he's actually very good. That's a music video where an old man is stealing a young lady from a young man. And you're like, oh, it's gross. That guy's bad. (laughs) (laughs) As evidence, he's being played by Eric Roberts.
1: (laughs) I also really like the look of uh, the female lead here. The the all white, the the lots of makeup, the big hair and everything. She's very cute. I have no idea who that is. I've not looked up casting for this video. I'm not going
0: to do that. She looks like kind of a cross between Courtney Love and Christine Aguilera in the Lady Marmalade video. I can see it. I, I don't remember if there's anyone in the Panic video. I just remember Brendan Urey in his ridiculous top hat outfit taunting some poor groom. Uh, then the the groom is Ryan Ross, right? Is it? it I mean, do not know
1: that. I mean, I would assume it's Ryan Ross, you know, the other half, like songwriting half of Panic at the Disco. When when did when did Brian Ross leave? Did he make after it to the, the second album? After
0: the second album, yeah. He actually sings uh, on a few tracks on the second album. Uh Man, this is a good video too. I don't know what you're talking about, Underburger. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Lena. This video is great. No, it's not. Yeah. Why I'm carney wedding. <laughs> Why don't you like Panic? Because I have like theories. But, like, do you have, like, a specific reason you don't like this song in particular?
2: Okay, so uh, the answer to why I don't like Panic is that... Okay, you remember we were having this discussion about how there's something, there's a certain theatricality to both of these bands. Mm -hmm. One of them, The Killers, feels like that's just a thing that's happening, right? Like, it's just a... Like, that's their sound. To me, Panic! The Disco is trying really hard they love making references to other things right like there's a lot of like polynuk references and other stuff that's in
1: one of their songs on their first album is literally just a like a synopsis of invisible monsters and really? i yes time to dance yes
2: i find <laughs> that infuriating and i think that like <laughs> well, and, and the thing is that like it doesn't have to be bad right like there are there are times in which you know you'll make a an album that's a reference to another thing or have songs where like there are references in there um, and have it be fine. I mean, I am a weirdo and I really like um, that, that second Poe album haunted, which is just um, an album that correspond with her brother's record house of, her brother's novel house of leaves. Like I find that interesting as a concept, but I think that if it doesn't work, if it's just you trying to grab it, the influences that you're using and use them as a, sh- as a shorthand and that it doesn't work and what I've seen when people have a tendency to defend this record uh, in the face of the disdain that there was amongst critics when it came out is that well you know these songs were genuinely about something like in some cases they were about a dying father right like there's, there's stuff that's like really genuine in this record. And uh, to that, I would say just because something is genuine doesn't make it good. And in fact, if something is really, really genuine and it's really, really bad, it's that much worse. It's like, um, you know, they reference Fight Club on that record. So I'll reference Fight Club too. It's that I just go a big rubbery one. Um, when somebody like has their face already shrink wrapped in tears and wants to give me a big fucking hug. Like, I don't like, I don't, I feel like this is like a, this is a cell phone. This is like a, this is like a weirdly transphobic thing to say for me. But like, I just feel like, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, Ed Norton was happy feeling lost in Bob's bitch tits, but like, not me, (laughs) And like that's what it is. I don't. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just like it's so goddamn genuine, and it just misses so fucking hard. And they're trying to use references of other things as a as like a as like a cane, something to like grab onto when they can't do it on their own. And that makes me hate it even more. I just ugh, it, nothing about no. that that album works for me. Nothing about that song works for me. All the weird like clown makeup and the bride being off making out with somebody else and being like, I'm sorry. Like, you're like, oh my God. Uh, it's just so over the top and theatrical in a way that's bad. Not all theater is good theater. This is like just shitty, like dinner theater. It's garbage. Sorry. You know, that's a fascinating thing
0: because I was going to guess why you didn't like the uh, panic. And I was way off. What was your guess? That they weren't genuine enough. Yeah.
1: Like I would, I was thinking about halfway through that. I'm like, I don't know if I would describe what Panic does as really, really genuine. Like, I think there's definitely some authenticity of the people who wrote it in there, but it feels very artificial to me. To me, it just
2: feels like they're like, I don't know. That's the that's the half that's, that's them referencing stuff that feels inauthentic because it's literally somebody else's thing. But yeah, I mean, if you actually sit down and look at the lyrics as, as over the top as they are, like... Maybe Brendan Urie doesn't mean it, but, like, the other person that was writing lyrics for the first two records certainly did. Um, And it doesn't make it good. Well, here's the thing
0: that kind of soured I Write Sins Not Tragedies for me forever. Not a whole lot, but, like, lowered it definitively below Mr. Brightside for me. I saw someone who absolutely hated the song also, which... Man, I did not realize how many people really disliked Panic at the Disco. I'd completely forgotten that. But I remember at the time reading someone who hated it, and he thought the line was, it's good to face these kinds of things with a sense of poisoned rationality instead of poise and rationality. And I was like, okay, if you thought that was the line, I would get hating that because that's just overwritten and obnoxious. But then I was thinking about it like, but is the rest of the song not any less overwritten and kind of obnoxious? Because honestly, what the fuck is this song about? Yeah, it's going. Uh, so
1: when you first told me about this, I did go back and listen to both of these albums front to back, back to back. Right. I'm pretty sure I don't have to do that. Yeah. and You don't have to do that either. Because I did it anyway, written, but yes, it's, it's been a long time since I last did it. And it's just what, going back to. I, uh, a fever you can't sweat out. I definitely did get a little sense of being tired of the shtick, right? Like just, the, <laughs> you know, just, the, it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I remember having a little bit of this feeling, you know, at the time too, but I, the, the music itself was just good enough for me, right. To, to overcome that hurdle. And it's just, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 17 years now, hence, uh, the just, I'm, I'm too old for that shit. Now, (laughs) it's just like, yeah, uh, this is a little a little trying too hard. It feels juvenile in the way that they were trying not to be.
0: When I listen to Panic or at least that first uh, album and I compare it to its peers, you know, the My Chemical Romance or the Fall Out Boy, like I don't quite understand who Panic are as people. Versus you listen to, you know, I'm not okay. And you're like, you feel that intensely. You're like, yes, I'm also not okay because, you know, I'm 17 and everything sucks. And Fall Out Boy, like Pete Wentz's arrogance is written all over every single line that he writes. Panic, I'm just not quite sure who they are. If, if this helps you, my read on it was
1: always a kind of dishonest insecurity where you can't own up to it. Right. Where there's a hiding mm-hmm. behind a bunch of of irony and references and shit like that. I don't know. That's the that was the, the whole vibe I got from that record.
0: Yeah.
2: I, yeah, I, like I it, weirdly think they're on the level. I like it's it's strange. Like, yes, like the language they're using is so over the top. I don't. And I've had, I guess, you know, a while to think about it, but. Yes, I think when this stuff was first coming out, my answer was, this is just horse shit. They don't mean a word of it. <laughs> and that's why it's bad, is that it's so disingenuous. But now, with several decades of, uh, of uh, well, not quite, but of, of hindsight, I look back on it and I think, no, it's just bad lyricism. They mean all the stuff. It's just the lyrics suck.
0: <laughs> I can, you know, I don't agree, but I can understand how, like, arch- and overwritten these lyrics are and their cutesy album titles and their cutesy song titles. I can see how you could find that annoying. It, it was especially annoying after, you know, fallout boy had already done this,
1: right? you know, like,
0: <laughs> like they're on fallout boys label, you know, imprint there. <laughs> it did feel like they were second to the shtick. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you compare, I write sins, not tragedies to Mr. Brightside. These are both technically about the same thing. They're about getting your heart broken, getting cheated on and so on. Uh, there's a reason why Mr. Brightside has like so thoroughly vaulted over panic, which is still one of the biggest songs of the mid 2000s. But Mr. Brightside is so much bigger. It feels a lot more honest. Am I right? Am I right? Yes. It it, it, it conveys an emotion that is deeper and more honest. Yes. Like the Whereas earnest is the word yeah. I use versus there's nothing earnest about panic, not this version of them, not any version of them.
1: No, uh, <laughs> it, it, like their, their turn on the second album to go toward like, uh, you know, the, the Beatles or ELO like was unexpected and weird. And I think worked in some ways and really didn't in others. And then the band just kind of fell apart afterward, uh, as like two
0: core members leave. And I just stopped paying attention to them after that. Did you pay attention to the killers? Cause I can tell you what, uh, I- it seems like panic was the one that was able to hold on to their hardcore fans the longest or the most of them.
1: It's weird he- because I was with the killers through day and age. Right. So that's one album. That's the longer- third. Yeah. That was the third That's the one. third one. Yeah. yeah. And I just kind of didn't have the capacity to pay attention to like to keep up with them after that. Right. And didn't bother. Uh, they released something like something last year, the year before that I listened to the first single of and I thought was good um, and then never bothered to actually follow up on the album. Right. Uh, it was the, the the one with with Lindsey Buckingham on it. Uh, caution. Is it, yeah. is it? Caution was. Yeah. Yes. And again, I just didn't bother following up on the album. Uh, the
0: last time I checked in on Panic was in 2018
1: where I listened to. their uh, I mean, lead- we.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I like their 2016 album. I forget what the name was like pray for the wicked. I think was that one. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And then, um, high hopes hit and that, that song yeah. is just crap. Yeah. I don't like it.
1: It's, I listened to that whole album, right? Because I was just, I, I went on a quest to listen to albums from 2018 that I hadn't listened mm-hmm. to. Right. Like I was like, cause I just had like realized that I really had not listened to anything from the year by the end of the year. And I was just like, God, this is just not good. I, <laughs> it's, it's Brendan Urie. I I love his voice. I love the way he sings. I love, you know, the way he like performs his music and everything like that. It's like, but he needed, uh, I don't know, a greater sense of irony or something to temper him. I just, it like back at when Ryan Ross was still writing lyrics it's like, okay, you have a contrast here and then there's no contrast anymore. It's all Brendan Urie.
0: Okay. For what it's worth. The one I liked was death of a bachelor, uh, for the wicked is the 2018 one. Yeah, 2018. Pray for the wicked was at least like in parts ridiculous enough that I could make it to the end of it, and I was like, "That's." But there, there's some really bad parts on there. Versus the Killers, who after the second album and certainly after the third album became such dad rock relics. (laughs) Like I I have no idea how that happened. They, for me, they blew it pretty quickly. It's. I feel like that's not an uncommon opinion.
1: Yeah, and it's weird because it's like it doesn't feel like they are that they lost the plot so much as this, what they were doing just
0: became totally irrelevant very quickly. I don't know. Like there are like, like five or six songs on that first album that hit emotionally, like emotionally, like when you're like a kid and like, this is the greatest song you've ever heard. And it makes you feel all the feelings all at once. There are like five or six songs on that first album that do that for me. And I've just figured they would keep doing that forever. And like, for me, they only have one good song after that when you were young and nothing else has ever really touched me the same way. I don't know. Like they should have been the biggest band in the universe. They should have been like U two level big, but I, I, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with them.
1: Yeah. They definitely didn't touch on what you, you were talking about other than when you were young. Now that I'm thinking about it, I do love Sam's town day and age. But there is no moment outside of when you were young
0: on those albums that really that larger than life feeling, you know, I mean, like, are we human or are we dancer? That that sounds like a panic lyric. I mean, it is a reference.
2: Yeah, it sounds Two? like it either sounds like that or the title to a season three Star Trek episode. God, I'm going to look it up real quick. It's a, it's
1: a I think it's is it
0: Capote or is it Hunter S. Thompson? I mean, it's not a good like even if it's quoting Voltaire or Poe or one of the greats. It's no, still a it's, line. Yeah, I'm just it's saying it, a,
1: it is. It basically is a panic lyric. It's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what I want to say because I meant for I had meant to say that Mr. Brightside is in fact based on a real story. Yes. That is a thing that actually happened to Brandon Flowers. Well, they both, they're both both based on actual breakups, aren't they? Are they? Like, the, did if I write Sins Not Tragedies is based on a real breakup, it has been rewritten and creative licensed so much that it cannot possibly resemble what actually happened. Like, you did not, at your wedding, hear a couple, like, a waiter talking about how your your mm. bride was cheating on you. That didn't happen. Yeah, that no. didn't fucking happen. You were not at a fucking circus wedding <laughs> hearing. You don't know. Hearing a bridesmaid talking about how your girlfriend cheated on you hours before you were scheduled to get married. I mean, I can see where there would be
1: like a valid metaphor here. There's. De- it's definitely not literal.
2: There was a real breakup that Ryan Ross used to write the story for this song. How about that? Are you willing to allow for that? It's a weird imagining of it. For sure. I I, ex- I accept that that is true, but I'm saying that like both of these songs are still technically based on real breakups. I mean, it doesn't feel real. And it doesn't like
0: Mr. Brightside, the chorus hits and it is all about his seething, horrible jealousy. And when the chorus hits and I write sins, not tragedies, it's about him being angry that they can't talk a little quieter or a little more privately, which is a, a kind of a silly response to me. It's, it's just panic being a little too cute. And I, lo- like I said, I love this song and I really love being able to, to scream a chorus about closing the goddamn door. That's <laughs> fun, but it's also kind of stupid, right? Right. Yes. I, I don't know. I was, I was, I was hoping that I was going to be able to, uh, argue you back into liking this song. And it seems like you have done the opposite, I think. But what about the fact that Taylor Swift loves this song? What does fact? she? Yes. She only works with people she likes. So that does make sense. But it seems like such a weird thing for her to like, although she only ever gets weirder. So, uh, <laughs> she, she <laughs> contains <laughs> multitudes. Yes, she does.
2: Yeah, was like on songfast.com, Apparently in 2019, she wrote an essay about the power of pop for LUK and she wrote, "When I hear I Write Sins Not Tragedies by Panic of the Disco, I'm transported back to being 16 and driving down the streets of Hendersonville, Tennessee with my best friend Abigail euphorically screaming the lyrics."
0: If I had to guess, I would have assumed that she loved this song only because she is I think 31 right now. No, she's older than she's a year older than me, so 33. A person born in 1989 overwhelmingly loves this song. Like anyone else is just a rounding error. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think we're all agreed. Mr. Brightside remains like the greatest song of all time, or at least of that decade. I mean,
1: it's like, it, it, we haven't like specifically mentioned this, but it was like the most played song in the UK for like to the 10 years following its release or something like that. Like it
0: didn't leave the, the top 100 there for like 10 fucking years or something like that. I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that in 2005, but like 15, 20 years later, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Oh, man, this song just won't go away. (laughs) Why do you think that is? I mean, it's a very simple song. It's very easy to sing. It's got like, there's like one note in the entire song, in the entire melody. I mean, there's only one verse. It's a, you know, like second verse, same as the first It feels like it doesn't need a second verse. It just needs the first verse even angrier. I'm I'm pretty okay with that. I I never is also a great line. <laughs> you do not need more. I never what? I never what. You well, don't need I to <laughs> know. Lands B. <be. laughs>
2: you have a, a lyric that's just you're despicable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. I think it's time to do some questions.
2: Yeah, we've we've dithered for a <laughs> yes. very long time. I, I have been meandering. All right, we do the, we do these four questions. They uh, they help sort of um, I don't know tighten up the bullshit that we've been saying. It's like the meat of the and potatoes of the. Of the you could skip the whole rest of the podcast and just listen to this part. Um, the first question is uh, a historical one. One of them songs is gonna go away. He's gonna vanish. Bye bye. And the other one will remain forever, whether you like it or not. For the culture, Victor. Which song has to stay? This is an easy one.
1: It's Mr. Brightside. I actually think that Panic at the Disco might have been better off had I Write Sins, Not Tragedies not blown up the way it did. Really? Why is that? Uh, just they, that they would have, like, maybe not have, like, splintered so quickly. Maybe they have had some time to work on their shit. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know, you would know better
0: than I the contours of that particular breakup. I mean,
1: I'm not like super familiar with it. I just know that the there was a just a creative difference kind of thing where Ryan Ross wanted a little more presence and like songwriting control and Brendan Yuri was I guess the David Lee Roth of this group and wanted to
0: lean more pop. Uh <laughs> Well, that's fascinating because they didn't have another pop hit after that for another good 10 years. Yeah. And like, Pretty Odd is just such a weird fucking album. And I
1: can't imagine they would have gone in that direction if they didn't have the fucking money to do it. So <laughs> that's fair.
0: That's fair. Yeah. They wouldn't have gone to full yellow. <laughs> All right. I think, you know, that's an easy one. That's an easy question. Yeah. Mr. Brightside, like that's like the, the decade just doesn't sound the, the same without it.
2: Question number two is also a historical question um but sort of about the the actual meat and potatoes of the of the songs themselves. you could be a fly on the wall you could experience soup to nuts from beginning to end the the construction of the song uh, the recording of the song you can watch the music video be made should you so wish Which is the one that you really want to understand on a on a deep fundamental level you want to get the the behind the music version I feel like,
0: musically panic is the more interesting one. Like it's got the strings and all all that stuff. And I, I mean, I'm not saying it's the better one lyrically, but it's the more interesting one. Lyrically. I feel like there's definitely
1: more to see there. If you actually get to do this, uh, the Mr. Brightside one, I I just read the story of it's like writing and recording. Uh, it's literally flowers got Brandon flowers got cheated on. Uh, his, uh, Dave Kuning's a guitarist, right? Yeah. His guitarist had some music written up already. He wrote one verse to the music, decided he didn't have a second one in him and it just stuck with it. And that's it. Like that's the whole song <laughs> music video wise. I think I might prefer to be on the Mr. Bright side sets than the, the panic ones.
2: I think what's kind of interesting on, uh, on the, the side of the killers is that, um, they'd had a whole bunch of other songs when they were writing this one because this song was written back in like 2002 um and they were like they bought whatever was the strokes album that was coming out at the time and were like we love this but this is really predicting like the 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 direction of music and like we actually don't like like whatever all these other like they'd written a ton of songs and the only one they kept was Mr. Brightside I find that interesting, and it would be interesting to go back to 2002 and get a sense of what that song, like, when they were first writing the hook for it, like, what did that sound like? Like, how much did it evolve from there forward? What was the other music they were writing at the time that they that they threw away? I don't know. That, to me, is is pretty interesting. Like, do you kind of get the the sense of, like, what that band would have been, had 2002 not shaped up the way that it did musically, I don't know. I find that to be kind of kind of interesting. Also, I just don't give a shit about Panic at the Disco. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. Like, apparently, like, the song is literally about the time he woke up and just kind of knew, man, my girlfriend is cheating on me. And he walks to the bar and finds her with another man. So, I mean, that would be entertaining to watch, I guess. <laughs> Actually, pinpoint the exact moment his heart breaks in two.
2: <laughs> I, I do like a Simpsons reference and thank you for yes. it. Yes. I looked it up so I could say it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Perfect. Okay. Well, we're Question three. Okay. Very important question, I feel, for this one. The, the um, most important. Well, no, the fourth is the most important question, but the third question is very important too. Megan Lee Stallion getting up to a, a night of hot girl shit as she does. She's gonna have a playlist. she's getting ready, dolled up for the night of hot girl shit that she's gonna get up to one and only one of these two songs is gonna appear on that playlist. Victor, you're the only one that can answer this question. which one of these two songs now and for, forever is hot girl shit
1: I think i i I just have to say, Mr. brightside here It's like if you're if you're in a particularly angry mood and you're going out to like rage maybe. I Write Sins Not Tragedy is a little better there, but I, I think Mr.
0: Brightside is just going to be the one. For me, the Panic song is so much more of a headbanger than Mr. Brightside. But, you know, on the other hand, thinking about it, does everyone get fucking lit to Mr. Brightside? Yes, they absolutely do. I think this could go either way. It, it's a it's a song where I think its earnestness
1: overrides the like negativity of the emotion it's actually conveying. When you actually listen to it, you're just like, fuck yeah, Mr. Brightside. Let it go fucking all out, right? Like, just melt
0: mm-hmm. this shit. Yeah, it goes too hard. Actually, no, I'm changing my answer. Yeah, it's, it's the killers. It's the killers.
2: I guess I just can't abide the thought that Megan the Stallion listened to a song where someone is called a whore and not say, so what? <laughs> what else you got?
0: Like, Well, I mean, shit, the song is about yelling at them. The person people calling someone a whore.
2: Oh, is it? Is that how? Is that is that what it is?
0: Yes. Yeah. And how they need to close the goddamn door. Yeah. Oh. Don't, when you're gonna call someone a whore? Yeah. Don't huh. say that shit where other people can hear it.
2: Oh. <laughs> hmm. Mind your own business, you say. This is suddenly <laughs> looking like a very Megan Thee Stallion song. Um. I don't know. I don't know. That might uh, that that might turn me towards Panic at the Disco for this one. But who could say? Who could say? Who can say? Um, I guess we could, It's our podcast, but, um, if both of you have gone for, for that, then, then I, I will, uh, consider myself outvoted. Now for question number four, not just the most important question that we ask in the podcast, but the most important question in the history of human creation, William Shatner, man about town, his hair is his own at this point, I think, uh, not always, does he wear a girdle of some kind? It's 2022 at this point. He's probably given up on that. But at some point, and also at some point, he was a musician, a singer, a performer of the dramatic musical arts. He's going to do a William Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Which one of these songs must be shat upon? And it's Panic at the Disco, and I actually don't need to hear from either of you. Really? Really? <laughs> Uh, absolutely they're the theatrical ones it just kind of lends I mean it
0: does these, I, I, these are both good answers yeah. there's not a wrong answer here so I'm not going to go as hard for Panic as uh, Lena is but yeah I think I would go with Panic also I think what convinced me like just
1: thinking about it just now that it should be Mr. Brightside is making William Shatner do the second verse after he's <laughs> already done harder? it once yeah but, but go harder yeah
2: that it is would be a very, very Shatner thing to do. That is the Mr. Tambourine <laughs> Man answer. But I, yeah, I don't know, man. There's just something so ridiculous and theatrical about the lyrics to to Panic songs that it just feels like <laughs> he'd, he would he all in my head, and she's touching yeah. his
0: chest now. <laughs> I mean, there is so much raw emotion in the lyrics of Mr. Brightside that he could he, put his full chest in it. Just, I, I would, would like it would rule, it would rock.
1: It's also just the contrast because that song just is so breakneck in its pace. Like, the lyrics, the words just go and they go and they go and they go. And having William Shatner not do that,
2: it would be fact, very, it would be a very long version
0: of that song. Yes, I mean, there's so many words in the Panic song that that would also
2: take him a, a good 30 minutes to get through. I feel like, well, he you know again, you know. So, uh, so the answer is, it's a split vote. Which one do you, which who do you, who do you care about the most? Do you want young Shatner? You want your transformed man Shatner? Or do you want, like, your late stage Bill Shatner? Um, because, which is basically like saying, do you want, like, young Elvis or, like, your... Fat well, Elvis? Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're like... Your, your 70s Vegas Elvis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which one do you want? Because the answer is that um, your young Elvis, your young Shatner is going to be doing the killers and your... Your, your present day, if William Shatner's doing it now, he's going to be doing Panic at the Disco.
0: You know what? I'll, I, I'll sign off on that. Yeah, that's correct. This is a correct uh, assertion.
2: Only I care that much about this to answer, to thoroughly answer this <laughs> question. All right. Um, I suppose now would be the time for people that maybe actually like these songs and have not been drowned out by my hate to have their say. Todd, what do the listeners think?
0: Gator McKinley writes... Finding out that the three biggest rock bands from Sin City, Imagine Dragons, Panic the Disco, and The Killers, are all fronted by Mormon kids is like finding out that Biggie Smalls is from Ronkonkoma, Long Island. Or like finding out Bad Bunny isn't Puerto Rican, he's just a kid from Wichita who took a semester of Spanish in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that they were all Mormons. Uh, I did. Or sorry, not all of them. I knew that about Brandon Flowers. but <laughs> Yes, I did know that about Brandon Flowers. I did not know that about Panic. But I guess it just kind of stands to reason. Okay. This one is in response to my description of these songs as the greatest being cheated on songs of the mid-2000s. Hey there, right? Um, what about Scotty Doesn't Know? By, by whom? From the movie Eurotrip. If you haven't seen it, you don't know it. Am I the only one in here who's seen Eurotrip? I don't think I've ever actually watched it. It, sure is, it stars Michelle Trachtenberg, doesn't it? Yes. Which means you especially should have seen it.
2: I know I'm a bad person.
0: I I cannot believe this reference is lost on both of you. I am
2: genuinely shocked. Sorry, Todd. You're alone. Uh, You're alone in the cosmos. I I don't
0: watch a
1: lot of movies and especially not from like around that time.
0: Daniel Schultz writes, I will take one of the greatest songs of the 2000s over the RC Cola of emo bands any day of the week. Ouch. (laughs) Brutal. I think think there's a big three of emo. Those three bands, My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, and Panic.
1: I mean, it feels right if we're talking about like that that specific emo scene of the mid two thousands, and I guess P- Paramore. If they they,
0: I mean, they were broke out a little later, but it I mean, it
1: feels weird to qualify
0: Paramore as emo. Yeah, I mean, they were they were fueled by Ramen Band. If there if there is a big four of emo, it was those four bands, but there isn't. I don't think there is. No one's ever used that except me. <laughs> All right, Connor Rankin writes. Somebody told me. That the Killers are a better band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Felix O'Ryan writes, I partially disagree with Brendan Urie on this one. Every song he wrote was, in fact, a sin, but they're also all a tragedy, and the same can be said for his awful voice.
2: Wow. Really? <laughs> oh. <Wow>. Really? <laughs> really? Whew.
0: That's a hot take that
1: Brendan Urie has a bad voice.
2: I'm really grateful to you, listener, who has an opinion meaner than mine. (laughs) Get his ass. like, because I'm... Oof.
0: (laughs) All right. Tyler Edwards writes, The battle of the two bands who peaked at their first album and went to shit afterwards. Again, they're not
1: they're not wrong. <laughs> I do love Sam's town and day and age. I do. Uh, but they're not wrong.
0: All right. David Wetzel writes, I love I write since not tragedies, but the lyrics are confusing, like not the overall picture, but the details. Why are there pews in the church corridor? And why is the bridesmaid talking to a waiter in the church corridor? And what door is in the corridor that should be shut? Shouldn't they leave the corridor and go to a room and shut the door? Eh, need some editing.
2: Uh pedantic at the disco. <laughs> Perfect.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Perfect.
2: Richard Brind
0: writes I'm just going to leave my dad joke here. Question What's Brendan Yuri's favorite John Lennon song? Oh, no. Answer Oh, well, imagine.
1: God damn. <laughs>
0: All right. Brian Christ writes, I write sins, not tragedies, is just friends in low places for people who think they're too good for country music. Now, when I wrote when I saved this comment, it made sense to me. I really like that you you slipped up there and said so when I wrote this comment, now we no, no, own no. all know the
2: trash! When I
0: Well, when I wrote it, on it my made notes. sense when I picked out this comment and saved it. But now I'm looking at it like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it has the same vibe at all, or the same like thesis.
0: Yeah, I. I, I re, now I'm just confused looking at it. All right,
2: I just assume that Brendan Yuri has friends in no places. Bam!
1: I mean, he, he doesn't have a band anymore. It's just him.
0: Got him. Yeah,
2: got I mean that doesn't ass. happen
1: by
0: accident. Yeah. <laughs> Dracovec writes as a lifelong Las Vegas local. I'm just glad that we got a Panic versus Killers episode, not because I'm actually much of a fan of either band. But because the longer we all collectively keep the panic versus killers debate going, the longer we can ignore the fact that Imagine Dragons exists.
2: <laughs> yeah. Imagine Dragons taking a lot of strays in this episode. <laughs> are they strays? They're not. People are like, you have to kill one of these two bands. Can I kill Imagine Dragons? You know it. Yes, you can. You can. Look, as long as one's still
1: champ and the other one's number one contender, it means that Imagine Dragons is not taking one of those slots. So. <laughs>
0: You know, it's it's funny. There's a one of the newer Imagine Dragons videos uh, stars Rob Mc, Rob McElhinney and Caitlin Olsen. And Caitlin Olsen is like, I got you a private concert for your birthday from your favorite band. And Rob's like, oh, the killers. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Imagine Dragons. I don't like them.
1: Is that just them, you know, poking fun of themselves or is it they're like an arc where he learns to love Imagine Dragons?
0: I don't believe he learns to love Imagine Dragons by the end of that episode, but apparently Caitlin Olsen is a huge fan, which also strikes me as kind of not true. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's a real big fan. All right, Alyssa writes, "I'm pretty sure Mr. Brightside is the better song, but I will give it to I Write Sins on the grounds of relatability. I've never been cheated on, but I did have a wedding." And nobody survives a wedding without some kind of bullshit drama popping up and then immediately getting shoved under the rug. Pour the champagne. There's a sentiment I can get
2: behind. I don't know. We were at a wedding, and I don't feel like anything like that happened to you. Full of of pretty dramatic people and nothing. (laughs) It was pretty chill. Maybe you just weren't exposed to it. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't. Just pour the champagne. That was it. If exactly. listen, if there if there was drama afoot at that wedding that Todd and I were at, I did not witness it, and that's good enough for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and finally, Apocalypse then writes, I'm Mr. Landslide. By the way, it's time to read the results.
2: <laughs> Hey, Victor, how do you think this one turned out? <laughs> oh, I, I could
1: not possibly imagine a panic win in this matchup. Like, Mr. Brightside is just uh, just too monumental of a song. I think it's, right. let's say, 70-30. Uh, oh, oh, yes, I, but I, what a shame. Yeah,
2: I can't imagine it being any, I mean, like, I already know. Um, but my assumption going in was that it was going to be absolutely, like, just the saddest. Just the saddest set. Like, it's not, it's not a. I don't know if anyone's panicking at the disco, but, but, the, but they, but they are very sad. It's sadness at the disco. Turns I would, out, uh, I would have, I would have assumed that it, at best it was eighty twenty, but maybe even worse than that.
1: Turns out our listeners are the ones writing the tragedies. Boom. Oh yes.
0: <laughs> All right, for a total of seven hundred and eighty nine. That's a lot of votes. <laughs> It's a, this was a popular one Two two 223. That's a 78% to 22% split. The winner is Mr. Brightside by a lot. But,
2: yeah. That's a best almost 80 I mean, 20,
0: which is what I'd expected. Like yeah. you were pretty close, but you went over. So by prices, of, price of right rules, I believe Victor wins. I'll take it. Well. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to yet another wonderful episode of song versus song. This was a really good one. I feel good about it. And if you want to hear more of us talking, we do a Patreon bonus episode every month. You can donate just a dollar and you can hear what we will have to say about oh, what are we doing this month? Weird.
2: We're doing story. Oh, very exciting. That's, I think, going to be a, a, a cracker, a barn burner. I need to find a way to watch that that doesn't doesn't You'd involve subscribing. Yeah. <laughs> what a
0: dick. <laughs> I'm I'm lucky enough to have a Roku, so I, I don't have to pay any money for this. Oh,
2: okay. See, I thought that you said it doesn't involve subscribing to us, to our podcast. I was like, ours, <laughs> oh, oh, right. man. No, Jeez. I said watch this, not listen oh, to this. Oh, okay. I see, yeah. I see, I see, I uh, see. Well,
0: you can subscribe to us on our Patreon. You can toss us a dollar. You'll get our gigantic, at this point, backlog
2: of bonus episodes. And if you pay twenty dollars, you can you can suggest what we might talk about in an upcoming episode. You could, for example, pay twenty dollars and say you should talk <laughs> about Southland Tales. I am and, not going and, to
0: discourage you from doing that. If you want us to talk about that, you can donate to our Patreon. If you have no money, why don't you just write us a nice review? Go to wherever you review podcasts and say, "Hey, this song versus song is a fun thing." And promote us on, well, I was going to say Twitter, but who knows what the hell's going to happen there. <laughs> these, are, these are weird days. They are. Thank you so much. Lena, are you ready for the next episode? Never. What is it? Just like you wanted, because we talked about this. We will be doing Footloose versus Flashdance. Oh, man. Da, da, da. What a feeling.
2: <laughs> I'm excited. I'm ah, very, I mean, very excited. Short Circuit 2s. No. No, Short Circuit Two has holding out for oh, a yeah. hero. Oh, that's
0: right, yeah, that which is great, great. Which scene, is by from the Footloose, way. but we're not talking about Footloose the song, not Footloose the
2: movie. Oh, all right, but we should probably talk about the movies too. Yeah, yeah it should it'll probably just be a a watch movie Footloose at, a movie. at some point. We should we should probably discuss the films. This is a real this is a real bonus episode, regular episode.
0: I lo- yeah well, I mean that's a that's a case of stupid plot versus no plot so that's correct um I look forward to listening to this
1: about these movies that I also have never watched and I'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> I mean you already
0: know all the basic premises of both these things already. Right? I mean, yeah from right. I love
1: the 80s yes I <laughs>
0: yeah all right thanks for listening everybody bye, bye.